Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to Good Talks. I'm... <laughs> Who are you? I don't know. I'm Mark Little. All right, we'll start over. No, you should right. say I'm Marie Murataya. I'm Marie Murataya. And this episode is brought to you by Beans Chata. Because one wouldn't be enough. You need two beans chata. Two beans chata is the drink for you. One will just not do. Mm. Fully endorsed by Justin Bieber and also Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week. Yes, that is so true. That <clears throat> is an undeniable truth. Speaking of Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week, I've been reading that book. I don't think we've talked about that at all yet. No, we haven't talked about it. And I was supposed to remind you to talk about $10 million. Uh, yeah. So basically he talks about in the book to start thinking about what you would do either a, if you suddenly just had $10 million, essentially, if you didn't have to worry about money or B, if you could not fail. Your hair is so long. I totally didn't listen to any of that. Cause I was thinking about how much you look like that high school picture of you that's out in the in the front of the house. Imagine being so caught up on <clears throat> looks, so caught up on the superficial <laughs> that the content of one's speech is not even listened to. I is apologize. This, is this where we've come in society today? Your hair is long. I know it is and long. And I am just taking note. I am sorry. Please repeat everything you said up until that point. I distract myself sometimes. What I said was... The idea in this book, which is, you know, what is the thing he asks you to consider? What is the thing you would do if you knew you could not fail? So that's one of them. Uh, I think simultaneously, it's like, what is the thing you would do if you had $10 million tomorrow? Basically, if you knew you never had to work again, like what would you put your energy and efforts into? And uh, there was something else I said earlier, but I don't remember. But it's basically those two ideas. So then, so I've been thinking about that lately and... That's what I was, when we were eating dinner, that's what I was going to tell you. Uh, like, what are those things? Because essentially the idea is like, how, how would you occupy your time? Because his thesis in the book is people only occupy their time with so much work, really for arbitrary reasons. Um, one being that the standard schedule is nine to five, 40 hour work week. So people just automatically assume that you have to work that much. But mm -hmm. in fact, it's <clears throat> not true at all. So what would I occupy my time with? Some of the things that popped in my head were... I, I didn't actually ask you. I thought you were asking me first. Oh, yeah, I'll ask you. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. That well, was just funny the way you did that. Well, be Mark. That's it. That's the podcast. Mark speaks. Well, Mark careful, talks. Careful. Don't get us to a million downloads too quickly. Yeah, we got to pace ourselves. Yeah, exactly. So what... No, go ahead. You have yours ready. I don't have mine ready. I was just messing with no, you. No, now I want to hear yours because obviously Ugh. they were ready and... They weren't. I just said that. I oh, just yeah. wanted a mess. I know. Uh, so I was thinking uh, surfing, I think, would be something that I would want to just get really good at. Ooh, yeah. Like that just sounds... That sounds awesome. It's all... It's funny because it becomes... Um, well, I guess... Well, we'll work all the way through this. So first it becomes like sports things or outdoors for you types of things. Yeah. That, mm -hmm. that and creative stuff. Yeah. Um, um, cause I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, I think I would still want to make music because it's just enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Um, and also surfing, snowboarding it's, it, but yeah, a lot of physical stuff. Cause then I think about there's uh, I think I've shown them to you the like knees over toes guy mm -hmm. and he's all about just improving your athletic ability and, 
training your knees in a way that you can continue to do sports, whether it's like basketball, football, or skateboarding, all that type of stuff, well into years that people kind of assume that you can't do it. And people assume that your knees are just going to naturally deteriorate and, and you're not going to be able to live, live, not live long enough, but that you're, that you will outlive the ability of your knees Mm -hmm. is kind of the idea. Yeah. So basically sports, uh, skateboarding, snowboarding, all those types of sports. And, uh, then I was thinking about it today when you were, you were working with your kid and I was, uh, squatting, I was thinking, I think I would play like play hockey too. I would just like go oh, yeah. like join an adult league and just like, yeah, yeah, just just fun stuff. Uh, my thing was I was gonna I said I was gonna join an adult hip hop class, like a dance class, hip hop. Yes. Okay. I've always wanted to. Oh right, yeah. You can see like, yeah, and hip-hop. that's. Go ahead, and that's. I don't know. That's that's what's so interesting about that exercise is because then it's like oh like this is stuff you really want to do so just do it. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Why hip? Why hip hop? I don't know. It just seems so fun. And I, I don't know that I'm the most coordinated dancer. Like I can dance. I can carry, I can carry a tune in my feet, but at least I think so. I don't know how you feel about it. Okay. What? Say it. I, I think you're a great dancer. Oh no. I mean, I wasn't asking. I was, never mind. But, um, no, I think, I think you have a little rhythm. I think with, uh, <clears throat> some training, you would even be a better dancer. <laughs> Obviously. Wait, now I want to know what makes me not a good dancer. No, you're not a bad dancer. You just you just goofy dance all the time. I know. I love goofy dance. Yeah, that's all it is. But that's why I want to take a hip hop class. Not like, it's not necessarily that I need more coordination. It's just that I want to like move my body like that. Yeah. Um, no, that's what I'm saying. And it's just fun yeah. and energetic. And I like, like when it comes to exercise and stuff, like, yeah, I know we lift weights and that's good and healthy for us. Yeah. But I really like energetic dancing type of that's why i got the hula hoop yeah the weighted hula hoop which is just so freaking fun yeah um yeah i do want to try that i'm sure that is fun it is fun so i would do i would do that i would buy a trampoline Mm. and rollerblades so i could be doing all that kind of that's what yeah like i would do i do definitely go towards the outdoorsy stuff but actually the very first thing i thought of when you first asked it and then cut me off so you could share all your answers Mm -hmm was to create, to continue creating and to finish like my book that I'm writing. And, um, but also like with content creation, like it wouldn't just stop. I would probably be wanting to do way more Mm -hmm. with the time that I had and do more videos because I'm really enjoying video. Yeah. Um, like just filming and stuff, man, the iPhone is pretty cool when you, Mm -hmm. when you really utilize the, the features of the film. Um, Yeah. So yeah. I think I would keep doing that and with like the same goals of content that I already have. Um, but yeah, book writing, painting. I mean, just like creative stuff for sure. Yeah. I mean, and then another thing too, though, like <clears throat> if I mean, if I had $10 million tomorrow, I'd buy a clinic I'm or, so, you know, something to have my own speech pathology practice in. Okay. You know what I mean? Like and like invest in that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Because that is something I do love. Doing speech pathology? I think so. Well, like, I think as far as like, I don't think I love it. I know I love that, but I'm like, well, I think I would want to buy a clinic or would I really want to put money into that or something different and like continue doing it how I do it, you know, whatever. Yeah. Because I mean, I think part of the point of it is to really think like money 
is never going to be an issue again, like no matter what you right. do, you know? So if, and, and that makes sense to me that the speech pathology thing, just because it got me thinking about it, like, uh, I started thinking about breaking the stick and like going to, and teaching kids to draw and just certain stuff like that, because on some level, those are interactions, I guess, that inherently enrich other people's lives. Like yeah. it makes, it makes a lot of sense why people, you know, some people then take their time after they've been successful or whatever and want to go help others because it's like, okay, so you, you, you won, like economically you won, you figured out the game yeah. and you won it. So now what? Like, and people always talk about like, it's really not that fulfilling to be, you know, super rich or like all, all wealthy right. and powerful or whatever, but it is fulfilling to help people. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And I think, so uh, like somewhere in between that and then the mastery of yourself, at least like on a physical level, sure. which then I'm sure in turn becomes on a mental level too. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think how you guys, sorry, that was rude. I think how you could um, like think about it too is having now you kind of have, like you said, you won, you have the money, the economic part covered essentially. Sure. And so now what, what that allows you, I mean, definitely that's financial freedom. Yep. And that, that in turn, having that kind of financial freedom gives you a lot more freedom in how you manage your time and what you do with your yeah. time. And so if you have, because it makes me think like, huh, I wonder what it would be like for me if I didn't do speech pathology for a year. Mm -hmm. If I didn't do anything speech pathologist related for a year, how yeah. would I feel? And I don't think any, I'm so much anymore tied to this belief that because I got the degree and what I got it in, I have to do it forever or I, sure. ha I have to be a speech pathologist. I've pretty much for the last two years worked really hard to kind of shirk that um, title as being my one and only title. Yeah, And so it would be interesting to see, it would be an interesting self-experiment to see how I felt, you know, because summer break, that's really not enough time. Sure. Um, but to really not do it for a good amount of time in any capacity would just be interesting, you know? Um, it would be interesting. And and I'm sure, well, I don't know. I, I My assumption would be that people would still, you know, friends of yours with babies or or young children or sure. whatever it is like people would still come to you and be like oh absolutely hey i know i know you do this like kid could you help me with this or could you mm -hmm. help me or or, or, or could you help my think? friend or, yeah, yeah exactly i get that a lot so yep. would, you, would you would you shut all that down too that's the thing you say nope i'm not i'm not doing that this year or just say you know what you can ask so and so <laughs> <laughs> but let me refer to you i'll refer, refer you, you to a friend mm -hmm. yeah no i and that's the thing i don't I mean, I, yeah, I'd be interested to see if, like, I completely shut it out for a year. But yeah. you're right, I probably wouldn't. But it, it'd be interesting, like, if I just, okay, so let's say I just shut down the the job role of it, you know, the working yeah. in the schools and then having my other clients, like, say, like, I canceled all that for a year. Yeah. But, like, obviously still, like, I'm a resource, right? Yeah. But I think it would, because even then it could be interesting because, no, I'm not directly helping anybody or working with a child or mm -hmm. whatever. So it'd be just a good experiment just to see if I truly missed it or whatever. I think I would. Yeah. You know, I've, I get excited every school year when it starts and I yeah. get to see the kids. So, um, 
it's just, yeah, it'll, it'll be, or it would be interesting. It'll be interesting when I have $10 million, you know, to see what I do. But I get you. I, I do think I would be a speech pathologist in some capacity. Yeah. For sure. Even if it was just like consulting with families. Yeah, or exactly. Or training parents or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I, I think so too. It's just because like you said, you genuinely enjoy actually helping that's where I feel I can People, be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and then of course there's like the mindset coaching stuff too. Yeah. But I do just love working with little kids. So. Well, you know, <laughs> I think that, uh, yeah. Anyways, that's my answer. No, that's uh that is a, that is a good answer. That is a good answer. But yeah, it's just, it's interesting to me that, well, and I'm sure it wouldn't be this way for everybody, but that we both kind of go to, uh, physical stuff. But it kind of makes sense. This is just like, you know, what, what do you do if 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 um, money is not the thing that you need anymore? It's mm-hmm. like you're just like, all right, well, now none of my decisions have to be based on that. So, um, and, and like I was telling you the other day, it, it makes so much more sense reading this book and then listening to his podcast over the past few years or whatever, why he would learn languages and mm-hmm. become, you know, a, a a ballroom dancer or whatever and yeah. you know a kickboxer and like all this all these different things is it's like yeah you just as people we love to learn and we love to yeah. to feel like we're growing and and working towards things so it makes a lot of sense yeah and i, I like it i do too and i think what we kind of both went towards you know the first was like surfing and hip-hop classes or whatever yeah and it makes sense like those are play kind of activities yeah and I think as humans, when we talked about this, did we talk about this in the last podcast a little bit? About very possible. Play and stuff. I think we did. But again, like we, we enjoy things, play based things. And so, and in those play things, like play, I think we, we hear, you know, oh, they just want to play or do this. It's like, well, that's because in those moments of play, like there's no boundaries. Mm -hmm. You don't, you can make mistakes. You can be surfing and you can totally wipe out. And you get back up and you're learning. You're in a zone of proximal development and all that stuff. Hip hop, mm-hmm. like, I want to take it because I, I there's, n- I have no foundation of it f- for it. I have no baseline like mm-hmm. in it, and I know I'm a beginner and I'm totally gonna screw up. And that sounds like a fun way to to screw around for yeah. me, you know, to get better at something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but. Yeah, like we want to do more of those things that really make us feel like we're in that learning state, but also um, and growing and we're also having fun. So if you really want to learn Italian or French or whatever, like, yeah, yeah, do it, you know. Uh, When you said zone of proximal development, it reminds me, I think in Atomic Habits, I don't know that you are at that point yet, but maybe this is a figure, you know, I don't exactly recall that specific number but something like uh, when you're in that zone it's because things are like five percent more difficult than you're actually capable of handling or like Mm. it's like it's some there's some thin margin between what what is too easy for you and what is too hard for you right and when you're kind of bouncing in between those that's when you're in that in the zone yep and uh he talks about it in that book he's like well yeah it's you know of course it's going to be very challenging to uh, mathematically and, and theoretically structure all your activities so that you're 
you are specifically in that zone. Um, but kind of as long as you're constantly pushing your boundaries just mm-hmm. enough, like ju- you're just at that point where you're like, oh, I think I know what I'm doing or mm-hmm. like this, I don't really know what this is, but I think I know mm-hmm. enough about the other elements to be able to achieve this thing too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fun. That's a, such a, such a, we- it's weird that we, I don't know if it's weird, but it's interesting that we as people like to be in that place. And I guess it just comes back to what we we're just saying about learning and growing. Well, and because if you think about it, the way I think about it is because this is what I see every day with my kids. Mm. So let's say we're building blocks with kids and the little guy is, you know, he puts five blocks on top of each other and that's, he realizes, oh, like five blocks, that's easy. They all stay up, you know, and then he puts six blocks and it falls down. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, like I thought that would work because five worked. But now he's kind of in that percentage of where it doesn't work. Like, and now he has a challenge. Mm-hmm. And if you watch little kids play with blocks, they enjoy knocking them down, but then they enjoy stacking them back up. Yeah. And when they stack them back up, they're at certain developmental stages, like they're really trying to keep that tower from falling at some point. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they don't stop. It not it falls down and they're like, Nope, we're starting we're doing this again mm-hmm. because they're in that zone of understanding, wait a minute. With five blocks, it was fine. And now I put another one. And they don't really know how many. But, yeah. you know, with this many blocks, why is it that it's not working? And so they might shift the way they're putting them on or they might like they might not have it stacked straight. So they're all wobbly or whatever. Yeah. And when they finally get it to stay, that dopamine hit because they figured it out, whether it was just a shift in the weight or whatever is so exciting to them, yeah. you know, and then they knock it over because now they want to go for seven. Yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting because that's exactly what it is. But it's that, that what happens is you get that dopamine release when you're in that zone, when you do it right mm-hmm. and you realize, oh, now I want to challenge myself more because that felt so good to get it right. Yeah. And it, so it's such a, it could be such a frustrating place but when we understand that we're learning how to do something better and better and better and we're doing it and the best part is when they do it independently. So if you ever see kids like playing and they're pushing your hand away, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because they want to do it themselves because they know like it feels better when I do it alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so you don't I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. You know, we want kids to learn how to play together or whatever. But sometimes the reason they're not wanting to share whatever is because like they understand like if I do this by myself I feel so good mm-hmm. um yeah that's it that is so funny and it and it's interesting that at least for me that type of feeling is is still very evident in my uh psychology today like you know recently someone showed me something and they said and it was like a piece of paper and basically they said hey find like notice the thing on here that I think you'll notice Basically, it's like Mm -hmm. a puzzle almost. Mm -hmm. And um, I was looking at it for a few seconds and then someone else walked by and they gave me the answer. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. there was like, it's obviously it's, you know, it's, there's no real anger or whatever. But in that moment, I was just like, why? Like I was close. And then like in the same second that they said the answer, like I saw it, but they rob you of that, of the satisfaction Mm -hmm. of seeing it. Um, And that's actually that this kind of makes me think about your stuff, uh, speech stuff. I don't know if this is speech related or not. Well, of course it is. But uh, the idea of finishing someone else's sentences. Oh, mm-hmm. Like that, just in in that last 
just in that little anecdote I told you, I could only imagine like if someone's not asking you for help finding a word, because of course, sometimes people are like, what is that word? And then it's like, okay, like, yeah, you, if, yeah, you know, you, you ask for help, we'll give you help. But uh, if someone's just trying to make it through a sentence and you like, oh, Frisbee, and you're just like, son of a bitch, like, mm-hmm. I wanted that. I was mm-hmm. going to get it. Just mm-hmm. let me get it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, um, they, they really advise against that for kids or people who stutter mm. because it's a whole psychological thing. And that's not the only reason. It's not just, well, we want them to be able to do it by themselves, but they, and we want that confidence too. Yeah. But it is, sometimes it's just really hard to get it out in the same amount of time mm-hmm. that you or I might, if, because we don't stutter. Um, and so that's something that, you know, and I talk to teachers when we find students in their class that stutter, that's the first thing I tell them, okay, well make sure when you ask them a question or when they're trying to speak, you're not filling in words for them. Cause mm. it's actually not helpful. Sure. It frustrates them more. And then they're more conscious of, I mean, not that we don't want them to be conscious of their stutter, but they're more conscious of the fact that it's hindering sure. their ability to communicate like with more you. More self-conscious. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when they can get through it and do it, they, it, you know, there is evidence that it just is more helpful for them psychologically, could be on that, especially that communication level too, because they just feel like, okay, people are willing to stop and listen or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so and you see it all over. In, in the field, I guess, of yeah. like that finishing each other's sentences, which we all do it. We all yeah. want to be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not a competition by any means, but when you're the person, yeah, when you've got the tip of the tongue word, like it is, it's frustrating sometimes unless you ask for help. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's, that's my spiel, I guess, on that ZOPD stuff. It's a very interesting thing. And I think... ZOPD, Zone of Proximal <clears throat> Development. Uh-huh. Yep. Zopped. I think if more of us as adults were looking for that, mm-hmm. we, I, I do think there'd probably be a lot less frustration in the world because it's a, it is a fun place to be. Yeah, it's, definitely. If you're not in it and having fun, then I would argue that maybe you're not quite in it yet. Yeah. Um, because it kind of acts what I, what I see is it kind of acts as like a psych, like it's a circle, like, you know. You're not just struggling for days or hours, maybe days. I mean, depending on what you're doing, right? If mm. you're like a really, if you're a physicist and you are looking for, you know, some kind of your atomic development sure. or formula or whatever. Yeah, that might be days, but that's why you're a physicist. Like you probably really enjoy that. And that is your zone of proximal development. Yeah. You know, if I'm doing it yeah, and that's not where I enjoy studying yeah. or f- having fun, then I'm pushing myself in, to a limit that probably doesn't exist. But, um, you know, I might find that researching, you know, new ways for kids to access language and sure. different things. So, yeah. Yeah. Or gra- no. I did it. I did it all last year with all my gratitude research. That was so fun for me. Mm. And I almost I woke up one morning like ready to just excited to read articles. And I was like, wow. I've never been this excited to learn yeah. about like and read articles, you know, yeah. besides when I was in school for speech. But even then I didn't have that much fun. Yeah, that's interesting because it seems <clears throat> as though because you had seen in your own life how useful and how helpful all the gratitude stuff was. And you've seen firsthand the effects of, of all the things you were researching. Then it's like, so you have that baseline level of understanding 
And then now you can jump to the next level by trying to, you know, understand and ingest all the information that other people had researched. Yeah. And, and then it's like combining those two things together. Yeah. Like the fusion of other people's kind of classical research and then your, yeah. you know, not that it's not classical, but uh, more anecdotal experience or whatever it is mm-hmm. or just firsthand experience. Yeah, exactly. I think that's for me when it comes to learning stuff through research, that's that's how I can learn. I have to first be exposed in real life yeah. to really understand how to research it or what to research or to really want to research it. Makes sense. Um, I think that's always why I didn't like doing like research papers in high school and stuff because mm. I was like, well, unless I'm directly, you know, unless we're talking about something I'm directly, that directly maybe I've seen or mm-hmm. happened, it was always hard. And I didn't realize that until graduate school because I started like really liking the papers when I was researching stuff like that I was already working on with the client um, in my clinic. You know, if I'm working mm. with a kid who um, has a motor speech delay or something or mm. disorder. Like what, what would that be? Apraxia of speech. What would that be? <laughs> so if somebody, um, I had a client in grad school who he couldn't, he was my brick and stick kid. Mm-hmm. I bred brick and stick with him. Yeah. He had apraxia, which is where you're, it, it's not that you can't physically no, it's not that you don't understand the sound like so. So it's basically it's a speech sound issue. So it's where they have you have a hard time understanding them because they get certain sounds wrong. Let's just put it that way. That's layman's terms, right? So okay. So like, <clears throat> if I'm trying, yeah. So if I'm trying to say brick, would I say brib? Yeah. Okay. So, it, but the but apraxia is where there is basically. Um, um, not a missing connection, but if the way I can best describe it is as if the connection from your brain to your mouth mm-hmm. is having a hard time. So you know what you want to say, mm-hmm. but by the time you think it and it by the time it gets to your mouth and your articulators mm-hmm. and your muscles, yeah, it's not coming out the way you thought it was going to. Hmm. Versus a kid who just always says, you know, like a kid that maybe always says fists for fish. Mm. Um, because they just need to get their tongue in the right place mm. and you can teach that and drill that kids that have, or anybody, people that have a, an apraxia of speech issue or an oral motor speech disorder mm-hmm. have, it's just the linking and the messaging from your brain to your actual musculature and mouth and all of that stuff. And so you can't? You So there's ways to, there's ways to work on it. Oh, okay. um, yeah, no, 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 you teach it. You basically teach that. You teach the child or the person how to um, cue themselves hmm. to get there. So, you know, instead of working on the specific sound, instead of me working on this sh- sound for this person, yeah, because that's the sound that, you know, that will help them be more understandable, you're working on shaping the syllables together. So, for instance, when I worked on brick and stick, it was because my child had a hard time putting together two consonants. Um so like B-R-S-T, mm. um, C or K-L or whatever. And so we were working specifically on the patterns of consonant, consonant, vowel, consonant words. I wasn't specifically working on S words. I wasn't specifically working on ick oh. words. I was working on the pattern of the word. That's interesting. For his mouth to be able to put all those motions together. It's, it's interesting. And yeah. it's so... See, and this is an area actually I get excited talking about because this is my zone of proximal development. I don't know enough about this. Okay. But I've been doing like a lot of my 
um, in the last couple of years, a lot of the seminars I take are on this subject yeah. because I don't know enough and I have a lot of kids that need help with this. Yeah. And so I've been... So it's pretty common. ...doing a lot of research. Um, or no? I find... I've just... I think my caseload has had a lot of it. Mm. I, I, it's hard to say when it's if it's common when it pops uh, yeah. up. Like, like within the last two years, I've seen it. But before that, I didn't see it as much, hmm. at least for me. But it's... I mean, it's... Fairly common. I spe- the thing about it, though, is they you can't always diagnose it in little little kids. Mm. So sometimes what I see looks like it. Later they're like, no, it was just it was just a phonology thing. But when they were so little, you can't quite tell because they're having such a hard time communicating sometimes, and they're so frustrated. Yeah. And maybe they they don't only have they don't you know they don't only have one issue with their sounds, but they're also working on language goals because they're missing words and all these things. Yeah. So hmm. there's just, yeah, there's a lot, but um, it's, it is interesting. I don't even know how we got on this topic. Mm, zone, of proximal development. zone of proximal development and then talking about, I don't know, but, but yeah. Yeah. I'm not there sure. Was a point. I had a point um, in talking about the client. Oh, because I had the client in grad school. And so when I started working with him, I was much more interested in doing the research, oh, research. Yeah. on this disorder yeah. because I was seeing it and I sure. was like, oh, okay, this this research directly impacts what I do yeah. and now I know why. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, it is, makes perfect sense, but it is at the same time kind of an interesting point. It's like, you don't really care to research something if it's not having any sort of impact on your life. You know, right. it's like if people are like, oh, there's not enough wells in Finland. It's like, well, all right. I mean, sure. Like, So what am I going to what am I? OK, I'm going to go spend 12 hours researching that. But if you're a farmer in Finland and you're like, how, right. do, how do we get more wells here? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is or interesting. if you're just if you have family from Finland and you really want to improve their, you know, our agricultural infrastructure, Boom. You, you know, exactly. No. And and I think taking it back to. The, the whole $10 million idea. Yeah. It's, I think when you combine it with like our knowledge from atomic habits and all these things, excuse me, um, it's really probably important for us all to keep in mind, like what, where do our like passions lie? Yeah. Where, where do we find that we want to improve as humans? Mm-hmm. Where do we find our, we can add like where do we want to add value not where we can but maybe where we want to be adding value like what's connective for us to our communities you know me it's speech pathology you i mean i'll i don't know you have your own answer but i know like one has been improv Mm -hmm. um and so those are the areas you know if tomorrow i i'm basically told you don't have to go to work another day in your life well okay but i want to still help kids communicate you know and maybe maybe i'll start you know i'll just fund my own research you know or whatever but i think that that's um that's definitely something important and i i love seeing now i it's cool that you're reading this and i'm like halfway through atomic habits because it makes me think about how he in atomic habits james clear is talking about the very first thing he says is about identifying who you want to be Mm -hmm. and and kind of outlining all of those things and you know, it, it's just that makes sense then when you're thinking about setting up your life for a four hour work week or no yeah. hour work week, you yeah. know, um, some, you know, f- 
were in Europe, they would say, you know, um, you don't have to look at it as work, look at it as, you know, life, you know, and if it, I think I like, I kind of like that aspect of like not looking at my work as like, oh, I have to go to work, but like, you know, oh, I get to go to work where I do this or not even calling it work, you know, just I'm, I'm going to go work with the kids now or go, go see the kids or whatever. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good things to think about for sure. Yeah. And that is a, I mean, all that stuff is interesting points. So, uh, one thing, yes, <laughs> improv, yes, 100%. I, I forgot I was talking about this, or not talking about this, but thinking about this when I read that. I was thinking, oh, improv, I would for sure do improv because yeah. it's just... I would too. Yeah, it's just one of I'd those things. I'd find a things, new director, but... Yeah, of course. But it's just one of those things that, like, it's just always... Mm-hmm. It's just a constant of, for me, and I think for most people who have who've done it with, you know, any any level of success i guess is the word or just like just people just like and by success i mean having fun you know because talk about a zone of proximal development yeah because uh and i always feel i get it everyone's different but i feel sad for the people who like do improv once or twice and then and then the thing i I don't know i i think everyone eventually could come around to it but i guess what, what i'm saying is uh my assumption is that then people get hyper judgmental of themselves. Oh yeah. And and then that is, you know, of course, sometimes uh, other commitments come into play and all that kind of stuff. But if we're just talking about someone who has a completely free schedule, does improv a couple of times, it, maybe he's good at it. Maybe isn't whatever. Uh, and then is like, no, I can't do that anymore. I think that must mostly come from just a place of, of being extra critical uh, because I don't know, but that's also kind of closed minded because I think, I think it's fun and I think everyone, yeah. if you give it a fair chance, I think it's fun. Uh, I, I, I do think so. But there, and there are some people though, that maybe that's not like you said, you know, it's not for them. Yeah. It's just not where, and it's not where they find it. Maybe yeah. that's what I see physics as. Yeah. You know, you're pushing yourself yeah. to something that's really frustrating you and you're not, you don't feel good about it at all. Yeah. in any capacity so no that's 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 completely fair <laughs> because it does uh, maybe it's maybe it is Gary Vee or, or like uh, or Jordan Peterson someone talks about it but the because in my mind everyone is is creative like oh yeah when I think about it I'm like oh yeah everyone can be sure you know creative blah 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 but then there's certain people who talk about it and that are like kind of they kind of know what they're talking about and they're just like not everyone is creative like don't 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 get it messed up like just because you are good at it and because you find it easier you find it fun or whatever like of course everyone has the capacity to be creative like everyone everyone could be like i'm i'm gonna use three fingers instead of a fork like anyone could think that kind of a thing Mm -hmm. but not everyone derives a huge sense of meaning or satisfaction through being creative exactly i think is the idea well and so there's like i the way i think about it is there's two different things to think about too like creativity can be a variety of things creativity doesn't mean that you you are just really good at art or really good at improv or yeah you know musical or whatever because i think we when we think of creative we tend to lean more towards the arts Mm -hmm. um i like at work for instance this is maybe a bad example i don't know but I know like I am not, and when I have kids, I will not be a craft mom. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't like crafts. Um, like, working on them with kids, I get very impatient with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not also, I can't think of, like, the good ones. I don't have interest in looking them up. My assistant is amazing with it. So she does all the crafts, and she preps them, and I follow through with them. But I don't get creative when it comes to those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to actually, like, thinking about fun ways to play with my kids, like where to hide, you know, how to make games where we hide things and then pull them out and talk about them and stuff. I can be so creative with that. I can make a a stick that we find outside fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, But but I guess what I'm kind of curious about is, is, are there, or is there a segment of the population that doesn't find either of those things attractive? And what they would find attractive is a list of things like do this with the kid, do that with the kid. And once you do all these things, you will have done it. You know what I mean? I'm sure. And and then they have they have no desire to, in any capacity, be like, oh, I'm gonna make up X, Y, or Z. It's like, no, tell me what the thing is, and I'll do it the best I can. So if you tell them, get the stick and make it say this. Yeah. Or whatever. Or like maybe. if you if you tell them like, oh no, this is like <clears throat> this is how we play with the kids. Like, as opposed to saying like, okay, go in there and, you know, find a game to play with the kids. And, sure. And they're like, what do you mean find a game? Like, what do, you, what do you mean make up a game? But I think, okay, so you're, so the way it sounds to me is like, that's what I, you know, if I were to say that to like my intern right now, she's new with me. And yeah. when she first started, if I said that to her, she would probably not know what to do. And yeah. I needed to model it for her and show her. And so, so that, and that was the other thing I was going to say too. So maybe there's. There's different ways you can be creative, yeah. but then also I like in the way I've heard this and I, and I really like this analogy, like that creative being creative is like a muscle. Yeah. So that's, if I it's think that's true. Exercised like I know. And you, I mean, I can be your prime case study, but I do feel like I'm a very good example of that. Um, I definitely feel like I was way more willing to exercise my creativity a little shortly after we were dating because I think you and I started dating when I was in my second year of graduate school and you were very much like just I don't know make it up make do this like you mm-hmm. kind of helped me and coached me through some of those like things that I was talking to you about you helped me make you know tissue box beds for the monkeys to jump oh, on yeah. and stuff remember yeah. and like yeah. and you were very much like it doesn't have to be perfect like just make it or just yeah. do it and that kind of pushed me and then I also started doing improv after that year. And yeah. that really pushed me and exercised that creativity yeah. um, in me, not only in, you know, my work life, but also like it made it kind of opened up my desire to go back into like more music stuff. And mm-hmm. I had that when I was a kid, but I grew up practicing piano and violin and stuff in a very regimented way. Mm-hmm. Um that really didn't allow me to exercise any creativity. It was mm-hmm very you know i learned the i learned the violin through the japanese suzuki style Mm -hmm. which is i mean you learn theory and you learn scales but i never got to the point in my music where i felt comfortable creating random music like Mm -hmm. you are totally opposite of me Mm -hmm. because you've really probably exercised that muscle a lot throughout learning music and Mm -hmm. different things like and I could never improvise on the piano. I would watch some people do it. My own brother could do it a lot better than I could. But mm-hmm. I just hadn't exercised that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's only been probably like in my late 20s that I really felt like I was really pushing myself creatively and started making videos for my kids at work. And yeah. um, 
And it's it's a cool thing. And I really love it. I enjoy yeah. like exercising that muscle. And that's why, you know, again, back to Tim Ferriss. If yeah, if I didn't have to work tomorrow, um, I would still be creating and yep. <laughs> just doing a lot more with that muscle. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> I agree. I would but, say on that note. Are we done already? Well, I mean, we can be. Yeah, we probably should be. It's about twice as long as last week. Oops. Well, not, it's, I mean, it's not quite twice as long. It's longer though. But uh, I'd say it's been a good talk. No, it's been good. Uh, I mean, we could keep going, but I think now we have to cut it off. We will cut it off and continue next time. We will indeed. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, a little addendum to our ad last week uh, for the rigmarole. Oh. Uh, we may not be on on Thursdays, uh, <laughs> at least for the foreseeable future. The foreseeable future. We it's it, Thursdays are going to be a bit of a gamble. Uh, so if you tune in and by 7.05, the show has not started on Thursdays. Well, it's probably not going to be a show. So you can go back and watch one of the other episodes that you haven't seen yet. And I would highly recommend that. Otherwise, we plan to be live on Sundays at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and other than that, thank you for listening. We love you. Adios. Adios.